You are listening to the podcast of Open Life Church. We are located in Bonnie Lake, Washington, and meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at Bonnie Lake High School. Thank you for taking the time to download our podcast or visit our message archive page at livinglifeopen.com. If you are visiting us on our message archive, I just want to make you aware of two things. First, there's a link just above the audio display where you can download our fill-in-the-blank handout. And second, after you're done listening, we would love for you to follow the link on the upper right side of the page that says Let's Connect. Here you can tell us a little bit about yourself or tell us something that we can pray with you about. Feel free to give us as much or as little information as you'd like. Wherever and however you are listening to us today, we are excited you are here and we hope you enjoy it. Now here's today's speaker. Okay, let me just see what the score of the game is here real fast. Totally joking. I won't do that to you, but let's pray for the Seahawks. Lord, it's all good. Hey, I'm excited to uh, continue in Luke. I just want to catch us up. We're, we're going through the book of Luke, and we've been breaking it into little pieces of series, and we're in part nine. So this section is pretty fun. Really, it's training up these guys that are hanging out with Jesus. And they're called the 12 disciples, and they're training them up so that they can basically take this church thing forward, right? Jesus is pouring into them, showing them by example all his ministry, and some crazy things have happened inside Luke 9. There's been this mighty miracle of multiplication of natural elements of fish and loaves, feeds 5,000 men and their families, probably about 20,000 people. And then all of a sudden he, he goes away to pray and kind of train and teach his disciples and asks them who he is. And they, they, they confess, man, you are the Messiah. And so there's this pinnacle moment in the book of Luke that we talked about last week that they, they discovered it. They figured it out. Some said he, Jesus was Moses. Some said he was Elijah. But you know what? They figured out that this is the Messiah, the Son of God. And Jesus affirms it, tells them to be quiet. And he gives them some instruction about what's going to happen. He's going to go to the cross, and he's going to give his life and raise three days later. And they had to have just been scratching their heads. This, we, it un, we understand this. We have the cruci- crucifix. We have crosses. We understand what happened in our culture today. But back then, it was before any of that occurred, they would have thought, capital punishment for our leader? What? Are we going to go totally sideways? What's happening here? And he challenges them to give their lives for him. And they thought, like, they were going to drink the Kool-Aid, probably, right? And so that's, we have to know that because our first verse today in Luke 9, 28 says, about eight days after Jesus said this. So, you know, when you're reading through the Bible, and maybe you're using you version, and you open up your Bible plan, and, and maybe you forgot what you read the day before. A lot of things happen in 24 hours, and when it says after he said this, it might be good to look back. Okay, what again did he say? So therefore, the recap real quick. But let's jump in. Verse 28, he continues to say this. It says, after he said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him and went up onto a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy. 
<laughs> Just a funny line. I'll talk about that more in a second. But when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. As the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to them, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what he was saying. <laughs> How would you like that to be written? Yeah, I'm Peter. I'm the guy they wrote. He did not know what he was saying about. It was sleepy. Anyway, continues in verse 34. While he was speaking, a cloud appeared and covered them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice came from the cloud saying, This is my son, whom I have chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. The disciples kept this to themselves, not tell anyone at all uh, at the time what they had seen. Man, it's kind of a fun, there's always humor, I think, inserted in Scripture if we can find it. And uh, I, I just love to really, really picture what's happening in these stories. But two words really just are completely consuming me as I would study this, and it's the words glorious splendor. Glorious splendor. And thus the, the title of today's talk. If you have a handout, you notice it's on the top of that if you're a blank filler in, or we'll fill some in here in a few minutes. But glorious splendor. So we see Jesus, you know, with this flash of light, with his face changes, and, and his his clothes become so bright like a flash of lightning. And I don't know if you've ever been really close to lightning, but when you see a really close flash of lightning, it is blinding for sure. And uh, that's what they're experiencing here. And it's not a first time there's been a reference to glorious splendor in Scripture. Listen to the Psalm 145. I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise is greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. And I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell all the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. All your works praise you, Lord. Your faithful people extol you. They tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might so that all people may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is trustworthy in all promises and faithful and all he does. Isn't that incredible? Moses and Elijah, when they show up on the scene in this vision, in the presence of Jesus, are reflecting that glorious splendor of God that somehow the psalmist grasps when he's writing that. It's incredible. 
glorious splendor. The word glorious means striking or beautiful, strikingly beautiful, full of glory. I love it when words use their own word to define themselves. It's like glorious. It means glorious. Whoa. That's deep, right? Splendor, brilliance, sparkling, illuminating, magnificent. I tell you what. If you want to grow in your worship, if you just want to adore God more, if you want to kind of just go, whoa, then search the word splendor on your Bible app and read the passages. Read about the splendor of God. There are so many references in here that I couldn't share them all. Or That's all I would talk about the whole day is I'd just read one passage after another. Now, some of them are like God gives splendor to kings, but a lot of it is the splendor of the king. And it's pretty stinking beautiful. I want to think about reflection for a second. Reflection. So in my neighborhood, I don't know if you're, you live in a neighborhood with like houses on each side of a road. That's, that's how we roll in our hood. And uh, it just so happens that, you know, when when you're out in the front yard and maybe like the afternoon time or early evening, the sun, when it's setting, reflects off the windows of the houses across the street. So Joe's one of our neighbors, not pointing anybody out today, but Joe's in the back row back there on the right. Anyway, our neighbor right across the street, the sun will shine off her window, and if, if we're out in the driveway talking or or mowing the lawn, or just playing with the kids out in front. And every once in a while, you know, if you're walking, you'll get like this hot flash from the window across the street. Does that ever happen to somebody? Or maybe it will burn your grass. Or maybe that's what happens in our backyard. The reflection off the window just puts this line in our backyard that's like, how can? Why is it so dry? And it's because the it gets baked by the magnification from the window. It's just totally interesting to me, though, because sometimes it's like, depending, like this time of year in the evening when it's getting cool and that heat hits you, you're like, oh, I found the warm spot. It's kind of like when you're swimming and, well, never mind, you don't want to be in that spot. But, you know, you find that sometimes it's comforting to get that warm spot. Other times, like if it's hot out and that hits you or blinds you, it's kind of like overpowering and you try to get out of it. Well, I think the same thing happens here with the splendor issue in and through our lives. To some, it refreshes them, but to others, you just shine too bright. You might wonder why people are trying to get away from you. It's, it's not a bad thing. You're just a little too hot. Does that make sense? It's interesting, and we'll process that a little more here. Point one is going to kind of lead us to discover this. Amazing things happen when we pray. Amazing things happen when we pray. I see here in these two words, glorious splendor, this same moment of reflection reality. Jesus, once again, is in, is, is in prayer, and Luke highlights the fact that he went up to the mountain to pray and that he's in prayer when this whole vision happens, this whole glorious splendor moment in Scripture, it's called the transfiguration. Big word. And uh, it, it just, all of a sudden, the glorious splendor shows up as Moses and Elijah have been in heaven, and they're purely reflecting the glorious splendor of the kingdom of heaven. 
And these three disciples get to witness this. And it's something we can still experience today. When we spend time in the presence of the Lord, when we're trying to grow both corporately and individual, there are moments in our faith when we will have a transfiguration kind of moment where we'll be so connected with God. It'll be such a beautiful moment where it's like the presence of God shows up in his glorious splendor, where literally when we walk out of the meeting, we are glowing. And people sense it. And people are like, okay, something's different about you, right? And over the course of your faith, you will have that experience. Or maybe you're praying and you're just devoting yourself to God and, and you come out of that and you just sense, I am on fire for Jesus. Those seasons occur. And just like my neighbor Joe's house and uh, the brilliance of it, that, that glowing presence, that on fire for Jesus is going to be a blessing to some around you and to others they're going to want to hide from you because they kind of feel more comfortable in dark places. So we shouldn't be the ones that then change or dull our light or stop praying because, well, I freaked people out around me. No, we should be the ones that continue to pursue Jesus, and those that are blessed by our love for Jesus can begin to love Jesus, and that light kind of just reduces the amount of darkness around us. Maybe you would hear this word revival before. Revival is simply expanding the glorious splendor of God from one to another until there's no darkness left in a space. Revival. I think it's pretty cool to think, what would this be like, you know? We become the splendor of God to those around us, and, and it's God's plan, if you would. I see, I see that it's a blessing to people, and it's very practical today, too, so we're going to dive in a little more. But I want to, maybe you're, if you've read the Bible much, or maybe you started a plan, and you were going to read through the Bible, you may have made it as far as Exodus 34, Right? And Exodus 34 has a story that might sound kind of familiar to this story because it involves one of the characters. Listen to verse 29. Moses came down from Mount Sinai with two tablets of the covenant law in his hands. He was not aware of his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses... His face was radiant, and they were afraid to come near him. Moses called to them, so Aaron and all the leaders of the community came back to him, and he spoke to them. Afterward, an Israelite, uh, the, all the Israelites came near him, and he gave them the commands the Lord had given him on Mount Sinai. When Moses finished spoken, speaking, man, I can't read today. Finished speaking to them, he put a veil over his face. But whenever he entered the Lord's presence to speak with him, he removed the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the Israelites what he had been commanded, they saw that his face was radiant. Then Moses would put the veil back over his face until he went in to speak with the Lord. It's kind of one of those interesting things that you could pass over and not connect the two dots. I mean, now, here's this glorious splendor moment during the life of Jesus, and Moses is there too, still glowing, still glorious in splendor, still radiant. 
Moses was not trying to shine here. He didn't go into the conversation with God knowing he was going to walk out with the covenant with the Ten Commandments and come down and start sharing those with people. He didn't realize until they told him that he was glowing, you know, and he didn't, he, he just went into the tent to meet with the Lord. And after he came out of his time of prayer, he was shining. And he wasn't praying to shine. Does that make sense? There's been some interesting movements of the Lord in our world. And sometimes you might turn on the TV and there's people that their focus in life is to get the shine, right? Or to glow. Or maybe they're like seeing glitter on themselves. And, and it's kind of weird. And your weird meter's like, shut down, power off, right? It's that moment right there. And what is happening is, is, is their focus becomes on the gift instead of the giver. The glow is because we're after the presence of God, not because we're after the glow. And this is all kind of supernatural and trippy and weird, but there's a purpose behind it. A radiance that should be in those of us who pursue Jesus, who spend time reading our Bible and, and praying. We should just naturally have life through us. And maybe you would term it on, you'd give that the term glow or splendor or radiance, but there should be evidence in our life that we love Jesus and comprehend his love for us. There should be a radiance in us. And maybe it's not like a supernatural, like I need to cover my face because otherwise you're going to be like, whoa, Thad, yeah, tone it down. Woo, you're bright today. I still have hair left, so, uh, you know, some people, you have to say, put a cap on it, right? I'm not making fun of anybody back there, Aaron or Bruce. Anyway, so, uh, you know, it's like sometimes you just naturally shine, but that's a whole different sermon, so we'll talk about that later. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, We all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. This is referring back to Moses with the veil, because he was so radiant. And it says we all have the opportunity to spend time with God and to be more radiant with our witness, to be more radiant with our life and our relationship with Jesus. That our face-to-face encounters with God should, should be just totally unveiled. Like we, shouldn't, we don't have to go in with our humility covering ourselves and not to encounter all that God has for us. We just go in with unveiled faces. We come into this place and worship with unveiled faces. We go out with unveiled faces, and people should see our radiance. It's kind of a cool little thing that comes out of this occurrence with Jesus Anyone still watch Survivor in here besides me? Because I'm like, yeah, Paul and Amy, come on over some night. Anyway, so we, we watch Survivor, and sometimes we, it's not on demand. We actually get to watch it, like, real time. But with kids, you know, they go to bed earlier. But we, our family has been, like, Survivor-crazed people, right? And uh, I've missed, I think, two seasons. Thankfully, the first one. Because I heard there's a lot of, like, interestingness in that one, 
Richard. And then uh, there's, the, there's some other season we missed because we were busy. But I look back and, 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 you know, there's been some crazy seasons. And now people, like, go on to Survivor having grown up with it. And they know all the strategies, they think. And they show up and they try to prove themselves. And this season's interesting because this guy, Dale, he's the oldest on his tribe. And he comes on there and he wants to provo- pro- be the provider. He wants to prove himself a provider. And so he's going to be the guy, fire his life on this thing, and he's going to be the guy who provides fire. So all the young guys have sticks on the side, you know, and they're trying to <laughs> start a fire that way. And, you know, the whole castaway strategy, oh, fire, you know, and they're doing that. And nothing's happening but smolder. And this guy's got like the coconut shell with all the stuff in it. And he's got his glasses off. And he's trying to magnify a fire. But with his, he just can't quite get a fine enough light to start the fire. So he does something insane that I just couldn't fathom. He breaks his glasses, doubles up the glass, so it makes the beam of light even more concentrated and powerful, and it starts the fire. He sacrificed something very important, his vision, (laughs) for the value of being a provider for his tribe and starting a fire and having that glass. And it just makes me think when we're talking about, you know, it seems crazy stupid, right? Well, now you can't see. Like, how bad was your vision? Because if, if you now have something that involves aim, <laughs> you're toast, dude. But you provided fire for the first day. And I, but he did. He did this concentration thing. And I go, he sacrificed for that. What might we need to sacrifice to be more radiant? What might we need to sacrifice or double up, I guess you could say, to be more of a ref- pure reflection of the glorious splendor of God to those around us? Maybe we should spend more time in prayer. Maybe we should double up our reading. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe for, for you, you've never seen his glorious splendor through your serving, and you should double up the amount you serve. Or maybe you've never seen his glorious splendor through your giving, and you should double up your giving. Or maybe you've never seen his glorious splendor through your coworkers, or be active in your workspace, so you should share more. I don't know. But it makes me think, Just what can we do to be a more pure light, more concentrated, pure reflection of God in our world today? There's got to be some things that would make us more potent to those around us who need Jesus. Man, so setting the scene a little more. It's interesting to me that Jesus pulls aside and takes up to this place of prayer with him only three of the 12 disciples, Peter, James, and John. The same three he pulled aside and brought into Jairus' daughter's room when he healed her. He's very closely discipling these three. And just a side-free thought today. I think it's important to disciple people But I think it's harder to disciple three closely than it is to disciple 
to, to disciple 12. It's one thing to lead 12. It's another thing to model every moment of your life to three. Jesus was really putting a lot of trust and vision into these three. And, and man, what if we kind of took that into our own life and said, man, well, yeah. We all are supposed to be the glorious splendor around us, right? Radiant and unveiled faces. The, the terminology was we all, not just evangelists, not just pastors. It's like we all. We all should have people we're pouring our life into and sharing faith moments with. What if we all had at least three people we're praying for, at least three people we're reflecting Jesus to? Maybe we have 12, but we've got to for sure duplicate our faith. Moses and Elisha show up, and they're encouraging Jesus, which is as well. This is the third time Moses and Elijah come up in Luke 9. The other two are, when they're asking who Jesus is, people are saying, well, Moses, or maybe Elijah is resurrected, or, you know, reincarnation, something happened, you know, and, and, but now they're really here, and this is when the funny stuff kicks in. This is when, in the most exhilarating, can you imagine, like, in an action movie, this has to be, like, one of the pinnacle moments, right? The action, like, glory, splendor, lights are like, you know, and, and there's Elsa, and, like, spinning. Okay, never mind. I was just inspired by Danny's hair. So I was, um, that was totally free for anybody who was paying attention. So we were sitting there, you know, and it's this moment where light fragments are just flying all around us, and it's like the Disney song is going, and, and the disciples are sleepy? The disciples are sleepy, it says, right in the main crescendo. Sleepy. Now, something has, maybe they're tired from all the ministry they've done, you know, and Jesus was getting away to give them rest while they were praying, and so they were literally resting. Maybe they had, maybe Jesus had done a really good job of imparting his skill of sleep into his disciples. That's what I think, uh, maybe, uh, you know, because he slept through the storm in the boat, remember, thought it was drool. It was real water, maybe. And so you have Jesus in this moment. The disciples are sleepy. When all this is happening, these guys were just like, right? This is amazing to me. And something funny happens. It says when they become fully awake is when Peter goes into this mode that my mom used to do. She may listen to this podcast. I love you, Mom. There we go. Uh, but she would, do, you know, he does this thing. And you probably maybe have been in a car when this has happened. So let's play this out. Peter starts to say something that makes no sense, right? I'll build a shelter for you and you. Everybody gets a shelter. And they're all like, ooh, you make no sense, right? It's that moment. Well, my mom was always the one that would volunteer. I, I've always had to drive because I get so car sick. So I'm driving, and my mom would volunteer to be the one to sit in the passenger seat and stay awake to keep me awake, Right? But she would do that, like, get groggy and fall asleep and pretend she's not to fall asleep by talking when she, right when she woke up thing, right? So I think that's, it's when she became fully awake and realized she was asleep, she would, like, try to finish a conversation maybe she never started. 
So you're driving along and, and you're talking to try to keep yourself awake or maybe you've got a toothpick in between your upper lip and your bottom lip so that if you fall asleep and bite on it, it'll wake you up. Whatever you're doing to stay awake, your head's, you got, you got your hair rolled up in the window so that if you fall down, it'll hurt so you stay awake. I, there's lots of strategies. I've done them all. And so you're trying to stay awake and, and I'd be having a conversation. I grew up on a farm, so maybe we're talking about an animal or whatever, or, you know, just any conversation and all of a sudden... She's like, quiet, and then she'll wake up, and she'll go, and then I took him to the barn, and you're like, where, when was that? That was like the last conversation. I have no idea what you're talking about. So my common phrase was like, huh? Has that ever happened to anybody else in this room? Somebody kind of comes to, I'm so alone today. I'm like, so, yeah, I'm the only one who watches Survivor. I'm the, and, but, you know, it's that moment of like just that groggy talk, and I would laugh at my mom. Well, Peter has that huh moment. You know, they're sleepy, and it's kind of the, they're doing the Joe Biden thing, you know, and, and, and they kind of all of a sudden come to, and it's like, uh, yeah, he's paying attention the whole time. I'm going to say something now, and it's going to make no sense because the moment has passed, or it's just really weird. So Peter does that, and as he's babbling about something that makes no sense, I love how God just cuts him off. It says, while he was talking, a cloud just like took over the scene. Isn't that weird? And, and if you've read any of the Old Testament, you may know that God led his people with fire by night. And during the day, what did he lead them with? Cloud, right? So we see this moment of like Old Testament coming into new. And it's like God comes in a cloud and it's like, funny, Peter. This is a huh moment. Quiet. This is my son. Listen to him. He gives Peter the gag order. I don't know. It's kind of a funny moment to me because it just used to happen. He had no idea what he was saying, and that's when God came and said, just a second, let's fix this because you have a misinterpretation of what you're seeing. What you're thinking makes no sense. You saw Moses, Elijah, and Jesus but the only one you're supposed to worship here is Jesus. So Moses, Elisha, be on your way. This is my son. Listen to him. And we get this beautiful, beautiful moment that occurs. We find out we're supposed to worship Jesus alone. The second point today, worship Jesus alone. Psalm 29, 2 says, ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. I totally get how Peter was like, man, this is a holy moment, right? We see this glowing robe, the face of Jesus changes, there's glorious splendor on Moses and Elisha. They're just being a reflection of God, though. They kind of misinterpret it and go, Let's set up a temple for you. Let's set up a temple for you. Let's set up no, no temple except for Jesus. This is about Jesus here. It's been about Jesus since the beginning of the word. It all pointed to Jesus. Jesus is here. His fulfillment is about to occur, as you've just heard him talking with Moses and Elijah about. He's about to go to the cross and give his life for you and I to no longer have to bring all these crazy sacrifices, abide by all these laws, but we're given grace through Jesus, taking his sin upon our sin upon him on a cross, raising three days later so we can have eternal life. Jesus just told his disciples this. They didn't get it. They hear now, these three here, 
Jesus and Moses and Elijah having this conversation, and they still kind of don't get it. And God just has to come and affirm what's happening. What a moment. What a scene. But one of the things we can take from that is he didn't want Moses and Elijah worshipped in this scenario. There was one he wanted worshipped, Jesus. That's why we worship him. That's why we sing about his amazing grace. That's why we declare songs to him. That's why we bring in a guest worship leader to lead us into worshiping Jesus. And speaking of worship team, you can come back up. Why would God interrupt you today? What in your life is making no sense? What practice have you allowed to creep in that you're worshiping maybe over Jesus? If God were to come in a cloud today to just kind of take that out of your perspective so you could see Jesus alone, what would he have to remove? Something interesting to consider. And today during our reflection time, I, I think maybe... We should consider that and jot a note to ourselves. Write something on your connection card. And I really, I think there was a moment this Thursday when I was like, ooh, the iPad Air 2, <laughs> you know? And it's like, no, Jesus alone. Uh, thank you, Lord. <laughs> Apple products, no, Jesus alone. I may get one, but Jesus alone, Lord, thank you, Jesus. You know, it's that we're, we're having, come on. We're building temples for Moses and Elijah all the time. Maybe your Moses is, is sports. Maybe your Moses is your kids. Maybe your Elijah is your time off. Maybe your Moses is, what, what is it that's like you're worshiping your freedom, your money, your time? I don't know. Is it your house? Is it your food? Maybe I, anyway, I won't talk about that issue. Whew, coffee. Don't, don't say those things, Thad. You know, what are we lifting up that we think, I need this? You know what we need is Jesus. You know what those around us need? They need us to worship Jesus alone. Because they need God's glorious splendor around their life, and it's going to come through you. They need to say, why do you make it through this season in your life, and I'm just not making it through? Our marriage is having problems. Help. And I see something in you that I just need probably to get through this. Maybe it's your work, and you're like, you know, you're at work, and somebody's just wanting to throw in the towel, but they see a glorious splendor about the way you honor really just beyond what other people do because you're trying to be Christ-like in your workplace and they seek out advice. Maybe it's the way you drive is positive. And your kids notice it and drive positive in their life. Maybe it's the way you raise your kids and, and honoring your wife and so now they're going to honor theirs. We need the glorious splendor of God's kingdom all over our lives and it starts with us. Worshiping Jesus alone, taking on his characters. So today on the left side of your 
connection card on the back of it where you can respond. Hopefully you've had a chance to fill that out. You'll see multiple responses there, but maybe you need to choose to follow Jesus today. That's the entrance of breakthrough in your life for sure. But maybe, maybe you need to wake up. Maybe you've just been sleepy in your faith. Wake up the faith. I'm going to pray we wake up today. Maybe you need to worship Jesus alone. Maybe today you sense that you need to start allowing Jesus to reflect off of you into the lives of others and take the veil off. Stop hiding that you go to church and that you love Jesus. Make it known to somebody, for goodness sake, right? I'm going to pray for you today. Maybe some of you are thinking right now as you're looking at the back of your connection card on the right-hand side, you're thinking, this place is just different. I need to know more. Come to Activate tonight at 6 o'clock at our house. All the information's online or talk to me afterwards. But there's so much more than what we're saying here to help you grow in relationship with Jesus. We're very excited to share that tonight. And Jaden will say more about that in a second. But Lord, as the worship team sings and we just consider our life, there's going to be things that are like the Moses and Elisha nonsense. Why did we build a shelter for those in our life? And you're reminding us, you're coming today through this passage, God, saying, hey, listen to Jesus. As we're reading his word, listen to Jesus' teaching. Don't trust our own wisdom. Don't lift other things up before Jesus. Let's be about Jesus. And for some in this place, maybe that's new. It would be new to surrender our life to Jesus. And I pray that if that is the case, if somebody's yet to choose to follow Jesus as Lord of their life, that, man, this would be their day. You make it simple. You say we just got to confess with our mouth that you are Lord and believe in our heart that you rose from the dead. So, God, I pray if anybody's yet to confess you as Jesus, right now would be that moment. We want to celebrate with them. But as well, God, your Holy Spirit is urging each one of us to be a more pure reflection of your glorious splendor in our world. People need you. And the only way they're going to be exposed to the brilliance and the radiance of your presence through us. So fill us today. Right now, as we worship, I pray that, God, a brilliance would come into our life, that a radiance would overwhelm us. And and not even known to us, we would go out from here and we would seem different to others, that to others, maybe we would have the blinding light of love with Jesus coming through us and impacting the lives of others. May this be a week where they just sense something's different because you've poured out your glorious splendor through us to them. Help us be a better reflection of you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's talk. If you have a question about what you've heard today or if you have a need we can pray with you about, feel free to click on the Let's Connect or Need Prayer button on the upper right side of the message archive page. Or if you're listening on iTunes, you can always email info at livinglifeopen.com. If you'd like to join in the mission of Open Life with a financial gift, you can give online at livinglifeopen.com by following the giving tab and clicking give now. We're excited you took the time out of your busy week to listen to our talk. But have you ever thought about visiting us on a Sunday morning? We meet at 10 a.m. each Sunday at Bonnie Lake High School. 
We would love to see you on a Sunday, and then you can put a face to the voice you've been hearing online. Finally, stay up to date with everything Open Life by visiting livinglifeopen.com, following us on Twitter, or liking us on Facebook. Thanks again for listening. We hope you enjoy the rest of your day and week.